for moving up a little bit. Uh, look around at somebody and say, man, I'm glad you moved up a little bit. I, good to see you tonight. God bless you. Here's what I want you to expect. Here's what I want you to do in the next few moments. I want you to prepare your hearts to apply the Word of God. We've been talking about surrendering ourselves to the governance and guidance and the control and the influence of God and not just talking about it, but we're, we're endeavoring to open up the altar. Everyone say altar. The altar in Scripture is a place of sacrifice and yieldedness where we give and we offer up. And, you know, we've already been to the altar this morning or this evening. Pardon me. We've been to the altar and offered up our, the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips declaring praise to his name and so we want to continue to do that and and tonight I'm going to give you a little bit of review of where we've been and then I'm just going to share some simple things I want you to turn to two passages and hold your place there turn to Romans 6 uh, and 1 Thessalonians 4 Uh, and while you do that I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 and just read our keynote verse for this month that and I would encourage you let me just encourage you uh, to memorize Romans 12, 1 and 2. I know you might think that memory verses are for the children, uh, but let me tell you, the Bible teaches us to memorize God's Word and, and let it hide it deep in our hearts. And so I would encourage you, this would be a great verse for you to memorize this month and just get it down inside. I, I think I've got it. Let me just try it. I'm not going to look. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. I added in the little service of worship because that's what it means. And he said, let me get a cheater. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm telling you, those two verses are just chock full of revelation for your life. How many of you know God wants to renew our mind? And get rid of that stinking thinking. How many of you know God wants to prove to us and guide us into the perfect will of God for our life? How many of you know that God wants to to lead you forward into righteousness and holiness? He really does. And and how's that going to happen? By we presenting ourselves to him as a sacrifice. So that's our keynote verse uh, for the month. And I would encourage you to memorize that. Put it on the on your refrigerator and, 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 and you know, however you can do it to, to just bring about a memory verse in your life and just quote it with me. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So, uh, you know, the word beseech is a big word. It means beg, implore. So Paul put a big priority on, on sacrifice and yielding ourselves to the governance and the control of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. Last week, I told you a couple of things. I'm going to give you a quick review. We talked about just kind of a side note, because this is what we're doing on Wednesday nights as well. We've talked about the power of the corporate gathering. And from Acts chapter 2, I showed you some things about the corporate gathering, uh, the church, the first century church, some things they did. uh, And there they are. They received gladly the testimony and the preaching of the apostles. They continued in it steadfastly. They connected with one another wholeheartedly. And that's what we want to do here. You know, it's not about nachos tonight. It's not about nachos. It's about connecting with one another. And, and, and let me say this. Uh, don't be nervous if there's an offering bucket out there for to pay for the... I don't even know if we're going to do that tonight. But, you know, some people, oh, I didn't bring any money, so I can't have a nacho. That's not true. 
All the nachos belong to Jesus, and He gives them to all men freely. And so uh, we want you to connect wholeheartedly with one another. And then we realize that those that were part of the corporate gathering, the local church, they gave sacrificially. That's a big part of what we're doing here and learning how to sacrifice. And then the Bible says they continued daily. Uh, in the in the apostles' doctrine and breaking of bread and prayers, it was a daily lifestyle. You see, church is not a weekly or a biweekly and or a monthly endeavor, or for some a Christmas and Easter experience. You know, I know some people on Easter. I can tell them, well, I'll see you next year, uh, that because that's their one year. In, in that's not the local church. That's not the corporate gathering. Because of that, verse six, oh, pardon me, and the, the sixth one is uh, they multiplied exponentially. I believe that's what God wants to do in, in among us and in his, his body. So, so I just wanted to throw that out for you again. We're a part of the corporate gathering. And so let's receive gladly, continue steadfastly, connect wholeheartedly, give sacrificially, continue daily, and God will bless us and we'll multiply exponentially. Everybody said... Amen. One other thing I told you last week, we looked at uh, Jesus in Matthew 26, and we looked at uh, seven insights of surrender. When you, Matthew 26 is where Jesus was in the garden, and, and he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, and, and you know that uh, his disciples fell asleep while he's praying, uh, Father, if it's your will, uh, let this cup pass from me. Did you know he prayed that three times? He was making sure that he was on the right track. And here's some insights that I gave you that about sacrifice and surrender. Uh, it's most always a painful path. When you have to sacrifice and surrender, it's usually a painful path. And number two, it's a process. Surrender and sacrifice is a process. And we talked about that in other ways. And then it's sometimes solitary because when you look at Jesus, his disciples fell asleep. Uh, he said, could you not tarry with me one hour? Sometimes nobody else is going to go down. The, not everybody you love is going to go down the road of surrender and sacrifice. I find some people waiting for their friends to surrender to Christ before they really surrender to Christ. That's not how it works. Okay. And then sometimes you're misunderstood when you, when you really surrender everything you have to the Lord. Uh, and really yield yourself to him. The disciples, bless their hearts, they did not even understand what Jesus was talking about when he talked about Calvary and being uh, sacrificed on Calvary's cross. And then we find it's always a battle. Uh, and, and there in the scripture in Matthew 26, uh, he talked about the, 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 the flesh is, wi- uh, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's always a battle when it comes to surrendering our will to the will of God and surrendering our ways to the will of God. And number seven, it's always a sacrifice. When you surrender, you're going to give something up, but you know what? Sometimes you got to give up to go up. Amen. You yield yourself to him. But then number seven, it's always worth it. You know, Hebrews 12, Jesus, it says of Jesus that he, he endured the pain uh, for the joy of, of, of eternity and for the joy of fulfilling the will of God for his life. Everyone say it's always worth it. It really is. Thank God for the sacrifice of others in our behalf. Uh, God is looking to us to lay our lives on the altar of sacrifice. Now, for the next few minutes, it's 749, so I'm not going to be long, but I want to show you some things. Uh, I said 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is from Sunday's message where we were talking about uh, one of our life lessons of spiritual progress. Uh, if you remember, here's the life lesson from last Sunday. Uh, and um, 
And so we're going to jump into Romans 6 in a minute, but let me show you this because it's going to build on it. Last Sunday's life lesson uh, was about preparation. Everyone say preparation. It's a lesson of spiritual progress. You've got to be prepared. If you go back to Joshua, he said, y'all prepare provisions for yourselves. For In three days, you're going to cross over this Jordan into the promises of God for your life. And so I said this about that. There's some things we have to possess by way of preparation in order to possess God's promised provision. There's some things you've got to possess by way of preparation in order to possess God's promised provision. That's why Joshua said, prepare provisions because you're going to go possess. And there are things you have to possess. And I gave you four things. You've got to possess a heart to obey, a keen sense of the will of God. This was last Sunday evening, Sunday morning, a prophetic word. You've got to be walking on the word of God and you've got to learn and know how to possess yourselves. Everyone say, possess yourselves. Some people are possessed, but not by, not, and they're possessed of, of themselves, but not, they've not possessed themselves. Well, what are you talking about? Well, first Corinthians, pardon me, first Thessalonians four, uh, verse three and four, for this is the will of God that links up to Romans 12, one and two, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Remember what Romans one, 12, one said, it said, we, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Hey, that'll link up, right? For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. We'll stop right there. Everyone say, possess yourselves. He said, we ought to know how to possess our own vessel in sanctification and and honor. And so I wanted to link that up from Sunday with what I'm going to share with you simply tonight in three simple words from Romans chapter 6. The secret, or we could say a secret, the secret of surrender from Romans 6, because you and I need to embrace the truths of God in Romans 6. If, if you and I want to really come to the place of sacrifice, we've got to learn what has happened and been provided for us on Calvary's cross where Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice by laying his life on the, on, on the cross, laying his life down for us. In just a moment, I'm going to share with you three key words about surrender. But I'm going to do something that I don't normally do, and especially with this time slot here because we do want to open up the altar. I'm going to read, I started to say I'm going to read the whole chapter of, of Romans 6, but I'm, I'm, I'm not just for the sake of time. Here's your homework. Read Romans 6 about five times, okay? Just let it set up residence in your heart. I'm going to jump in verse 4, and then I'll, I'll skip around. Here we go. Therefore we were buried with him uh, through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we had been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing that this old man was crucified with him and that the body of sin would be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Everyone say, I was there. Come on, say it. I was there. He said, our old man was crucified with him. He goes on to say, for, verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. And if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing, everyone say, knowing, 
Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died once to sin. Pardon me, he, he, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now, here's the application, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of righteousness to God, but present your members to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Everyone say present. The King James, if you've got the King James there, it's yield. Everyone say yield. I kind of like that word even better, but I'll explain it in a moment. He's saying, hey, because of what Christ has done, you don't have to yield yourself to sin, but you yield yourselves to God and your members. He says, verse 13, and do not present your members as instrument or yield your, your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield or present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members are your, uh, as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under, uh, but under grace. Somebody say, thank God. Now we're going to look at some more verses, but I want to show you three, three words about surrender. Being able, for, for he said, yield your bodies. And if you go back to 1 Thessalonians 4, you know, we're presenting, uh, we're, we're learning how to possess our own vessel in sanctification and honor. And you go to Romans 12, you realize it's all, uh, it's all wrapped up in who he is and what he's done for us. And so here's three words, key words, that are the secret to being able to surrender your body and your life to the control and the influence of God and not surrender yourself or yield yourself to unrighteousness. Here they are. The first one is this. No. Everyone say no. Verse, everyone say no. This is an important word. Verse 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. Verse 9 says, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. So the first key word about, about surrender and the secret to surrendering our bodies and, and our, the members of our body and our lives over to the control and governance of God is found in what we know about and what Christ has done for us on Calvary's cross. Amen. How many of you know the Bible says our people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge? And so, in fact, Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's not the truth that sets you free. It's the truth you no. And so what Paul's trying to get across to us, if you'll begin to embrace and, 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 and trust what Christ has done for you on Calvary's cross, and you began to believe it and know it, he said, hey, you were there on the cross. Your old man was crucified on the cross, that you should no longer be slaves to sin. You see, once you know that, you can begin to walk in it, right? Everyone say, you got to know it. You got to know it, man. And there's so much. In verse 14, here's something to know. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Somebody say, amen. We're under the grace of God. We're not under the law that no one could keep. We're under grace. 
We're not under the control and the governance of sin. And hey, here's another one, verse 18. We didn't read it, but look down. Here's something to know. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. That's what happened. I got set free from sin, the control of sin on Calvary's cross. I'm going to get begin to apply that. I'm going to take that as truth. I'm going to begin to know that. It's the truth I know that's going to set me free. And I know that Jesus Christ really did take care of the, 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 the evil taskmaster of sin in my life on Calvary's cross. Somebody say it. Amen. Oh gosh, there's so much more. Uh, verse 22, but, ne- but now having been set free from sin, we have become slaves of God. And so read Romans 6 and begin to know this. He said, knowing this, that our old man was crucified. That sin nature was crucified. You see, as a Christian, once you give your life to Christ and, and you yield, put your life under the governance of grace that rather than the governance of the law of sin and death, hey, guess what? Uh, you're under God's control and, and, and sin shall not reign in your puny or mortal body any longer. Amen. Before you were a Christian, sin was in charge. Now, as a child of God, sin does not have to be in charge. And we can dethrone its authority in our life through what we know. Somebody say amen. That's a secret of surrendering your life to the control and the governance of God. You know, most people try, well, I'm just going to not smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And you do it. In fact, Colossians said all those rules and regulations of don't taste, don't touch, don't handle, they all sound real spiritual, but they're of no value against fleshly indulgence. In other words, it's not us gritting our teeth and just saying nope to dope. Uh, It's yielding ourselves to the truth of God's Word. Amen. Amen. I like that. And you got, and hey, there's a lifestyle of embracing those truths. Just, just begin. I know it. You know, if you don't know it, you can't apply it. You can't walk in it. You can't live in it. There's a lot more I'd like to say, but everyone say no. Number two, the second word is, is then it's a King James word. Well, it's, it's new King James too. Reckon. Everyone say reckon. Look in verse 11. Therefore, oh, pardon me. Verse uh, 10. Lot. 10, I was going to read that. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lived, he lives to God. Uh, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is an action word. Some people just think, well, when I got saved, uh, I'm just, oh no. There's still sin to fight. I, uh, no, that knowing helps you to do number two, and that is reckon. And you know what? Uh, it's a mathematical term, and it basically means this when you study it, the, the word reckon. Add up the facts and then begin to act accordingly. Go back in Romans 6 and throughout Scripture and add up all the facts of what Christ has done for you on Calvary's cross and the fact that you're not a slave to sin anymore, but you're a slave of God and that you don't have to present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but you can present yourselves as, as instruments of righteousness to God and sin doesn't have to reign in my mortal body. Why? Because of what Christ has done. He nailed it to the cross. I was there when they crucified my Lord. I was there with him. You see, it wasn't just Jesus on the cross. It was the sins for all, of all the world. Amen. And my old sin nature was there. And so I'm going to reckon that. I'm going to realize that. I'm going to come to some knowledge and I'm going to begin to add up all these facts. I'm going to begin to act 
like God says I am. I'm going to change the way I live because of what Christ has done for me. Somebody say amen. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. And when sin comes along, oh, sorry, I'm dead. I'm dead to that, and I'm alive unto God through Christ Jesus. The wages, if we had time, go down to verse 23. The wages of sin is, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, reckon. You know, a little chorus we used to sing, it comes from Colossians uh, chapter 3. I don't have time to go there. Colossians chapter 3 says, I am dead, I am dead. This is Pastor Sam's song. I am dead and my life is hid with Christ in God. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. For I am dead and my life is hid with Christ in God. Yeehaw. Amen. I'm dead. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm dead. Here's another little kicker. We have so much to do. This is a month series right here. I'm giving it to you in 20 minutes. Paul the apostle said, I die daily. You see, we got to understand. The sanctification is a process. And we have to apply and appropriate the provision and the promise of God that is provided for us on Calvary's cross. It's like the guy who got on the ship years ago and he didn't have much money and he just had barely enough money for the ticket. He brought, you know, crackers and, and, uh, you know, water to eat for the three-week journey across to the good old U.S. of A. And finally somebody said, where's old, you know... Bumpkin head at it. Well, I don't know. They went down and found him. He's eating his crackers. And they, well, why don't you come up and eat with us? He said, Well, I didn't have enough money for the for the food. I just had enough money for the ticket. And they said, Oh, silly goose. When you bought the ticket, that included your food, brother. You just didn't know what you've been blessed with. You've been eating crackers. Did you know a lot of people in their spiritual life? It's because of what they don't know. And because they don't know it, they can't walk in it. So when you know it, you can begin to add up all the facts and start act, acting accordingly. Everyone say no. Everyone say reckon. Everyone say yield. Now, this is the third part, the third part of the secret of surrender, yielding our bodies to the control and the governance of God and, and shaking loose from the dominion of sin and offering ourselves up uh, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service of worship. Romans six thirteen says, present, or King James says, yield yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Present yourself. That's the sacrificial moment. That's where I'm offering myself and who I am day by day. How many of you appreciate it's a living sacrifice? Amen. You know, some people confess they're willing to die for the Lord. I'll be willing to die for him. I suppose that would be the case for me. I've not been challenged with that at this point. So I can't pop off and tell you that I'm willing to die for my Lord. I'm not going to do that. uh, Peter did that and it got him in a little trouble. uh, So I don't want to go down that road. A lot of people say, well, I will die for him. Here's the real question. Well, it's not will you die for me, but will you live for me? Will you offer yourselves as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto God? And and that's just yielding ourselves. And it says yielding our instruments, our our members as instruments. Everyone say instruments. 
We think of that as musical instruments. It's really not. The real, the, the real tone there is weapons of war. Let me stop and ask you this. Before you were under the governance of God, did, did the members of your body sometimes battle you? Did it seem like you were fighting against yourself? Like Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak and your flesh is warring after you. Well, Paul says, okay, this is a proactive word. This is a proactive. Some people think that when they get saved, that they just slip it into neutral and God's going to guide them into glory. Hallelujah. No, it's a process. Okay. And, and your instruments, your your parts of your body, it says, don't yield your instruments as, 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 as into unrighteousness, but you yield your body and you yield the members of your body as instruments are weapons of righteousness unto God. I'm talking about a transformation of the way we think and live. And we say, my, my life, my mind, my body, my soul, it's a weapon of war for the glory of God. I'm a righteous young man or I'm a righteous uh, young woman. I'm a righteous brother in Christ. I'm, I'm not because of what I've done, but because of what he has done. I know what Christ did for me on Calvary's cross. I was crucified with Christ and I reckon it to be so. I'm adding up the facts of what Christ did for me on the cross and I'm going to yield myself on the altar of sacrifice. I'm yielding my life as an instrument of righteousness unto God. Amen. Look in verse, oh gosh, let's close. Uh, verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of, of obedience leading to righteousness? But look in verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered and have been set free from sin. Somebody say amen. And you became slaves of righteousness. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in these things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. See, that's submission. That's surrender. And as I said, I think Sunday I lose track of what I said and where I said it. But when you study the life of Paul who wrote this and... You see, there's a process, and, and as he moves forward in the writings, and, and as he's closing out his life, he was an apostle. He'd say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And, and then he began to add, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, a bondservant of God. Then later in his life, he would just go, Paul, I'm, I'm a bond slave. I'm a slave of God. You see, the process of yielding his life through his, throughout his ministry was more and more sacrifice. Laying my life on the altar. Yielding my body as an instrument, a weapon of righteousness to God. Amen. And so tonight for just a couple of minutes, I want to invite you to practice what we just shared. Again, to say, Lord, help me to know what you've done for me on the cross. I want to add up the facts of what you've done for me. I want to reckon myself to be dead indeed unto sin. And I yield my life. I yield my body, my mind, 
Beverly and I used to sing a song years ago that our former pastor wrote. Said, my body, my mind, my heart, my mind, my body, my soul. I give to thee, take control. I give my body as a living sacrifice. Lord, take control. Take control. Let's stand up together tonight. It's, it's about nine after eight. We've got a few moments to come to the altar. And I want to encourage you to practice the altar. I know some of you, you're going, oh my goodness, I've never come to the altar before. Any former Catholics here? Anybody used to be Catholic? Ben, you're good at the altar. That doesn't bother you. You're coming and altering and doing all kinds of things. Baptist people who have Baptist past, they think if you go to the altar, you're supposed to get saved. You know, oh, I, you know, that's the only time I can come to the altar when I get saved. No, we're going to turn this into an altar. And as I've said, your front car seat going to work can be an altar. Your private place in the morning. You know, I've got, a, I've got an altar on my back porch. Uh, uh, you know, uh, man, wherever you want to yield yourself. But tonight we're going to practice this together. You can turn around if you'd like. And you may, some of you may not can kneel, but I want to encourage you. That's a great posture. You know, when, when you're sacrificing yourself, you're not up like this. You're laying your life down on the altar of sacrifice. So our very body posture sometimes reflects our heart. In fact, one of the words that is translated praise and worship, I can't remember which one it is. It really means to kneel before the Lord. So let's do that for the next few minutes. I'm just going to find my place here at the altar, and I want to encourage as many as you can to come. You don't have to remain standing, but I want, I want to encourage you to find an altar somewhere in these next few years and, and just kind of gather around somehow, and let's begin to yield ourselves to the control and the governance of God. Amen.